Hello, I'm Ray. It's Sunday again. Time for another podcast episode. Now, during the week, the midweek message, I said I'm going to tell you a story. Max Bygraves was going to tell you a story. Where should I start? At the beginning. This chap I knew, he wasn't particularly a friend, but I knew of him. And he, he said, could you help me? His name was Tim. He said, my little sister, can you help me out with my little sister? I said, yeah, what's the problem? And he said, well, look, you're into radio, aren't you? And I said, yeah, it's my hobby, uh, amateur radio, ham radio. He said, she wants to listen to a French radio station. Have you got a radio that will do that? And I said, well, yes. I said, of course, I've got radios that will do that. So we arranged to meet at the, he gave me the address and the the day and the time. We arranged to meet there. And I said, uh, I'll bring a radio along, show her how to use it. Now, I assumed that she was perhaps at school learning French and wanted to listen to a French radio station to help her with the language. That seemed to make sense. So I found a decent radio, worked very well, picked up a French station on Longwave, and I took it along. Lovely. About, what was it, about eight miles north of where I live, because I live on the coast, and it was in the countryside. A lovely cottage. Wonderful place. Of course, in those days, there was no sat-nav, so <laughs> I had to look on a map. Anyway, I got there and rang the doorbell. A lovely, very smiley, very friendly lady in her 40s answered the door. And she said, oh, you must be Ray. She saw the radio. I was clutching the radio. And I said, that's right. I've come to meet Tim here. Oh, he's not coming, she said. That's typical. That was her son, it turned out. He's not coming. She said, but don't worry about him. Come in and I'll put the kettle on. Everyone puts the kettle on. <laughs> They do that in the UK. Everyone puts the kettle on. So she said, look, my daughter's in her bedroom. I'll make the tea, go through, and I'll I'll bring a cup of tea through to you. And she pointed down the hall. It's the door on the end. So I went down there, tapped on the door, and the girl's voice said, come in. I opened the door, and there's this lovely girl sitting on her bed. Wonderful girl. Turned out later she was 18. And Tim called her her little sister because he was 20. So... I was imagining, I don't know, someone at 12, 14, still at school, learning French. But no, <laughs> there's this lovely 18-year-old girl. So she said, oh, are you Ray? I said, yes, I've got the radio here. She said, oh, thank you very much. I'm Natalie, pleased to meet you. And she's looking at the radio. And I said, uh, where do you want it? Oh, on the bedside table. So I, I put it there, showed her how to use it, tuned into a French station. And she was absolutely delighted. And she explained to me that uh, she could speak French fluently. What happened was she lived in England till she was eight years old, moved to France because her dad worked for a, a French company. So they moved to France when she was eight. When she was 16, they moved back to England. He still worked out there. They must have had some money because they, they owned the house in England and a house in France. And they just sort of swapped between the two. The sad thing was when she moved back when she was 16, She was out with her dad in the car, winter evening. She said there were leaves all over the road, country lane. And he just, on a corner, just skidded off the road. As she put it, the car just slipped off the road, sideways into a tree, passenger side where she was. And uh, her words, I got a good bashing from the tree. And she said since then, she's unable to walk properly. She could walk, but the pain in her back just wouldn't allow her to walk more than a few steps which was dreadful. That's why she was on her bed. Of course, between the ages of, what, eight and 16, she'd done all her schooling in France, made all her friends. Um, I think they only moved back for a few weeks or a few months and they were going back to France. But this accident 
put a stop to the whole thing. So she'd been back in England for a couple of years with this awful bad back and barely able to walk more than a few steps. She wanted to hear the French radio because that's what she was used to. She'd grown up in France, watched French television, listened to French radio, and she really missed it. So I was only too pleased to be able to help her. She also listened to Radio Luxembourg at night, but the little radio she had was pretty useless. And I knew that this decent radio that I'd given her would uh, would pull in Radio Luxembourg 208. Do you remember Fab 208? Those were the days. I knew that it would hear that, uh, receive that, no problem at all. So she was really happy. She was a, a lovely girl. She she was bubbly and friendly. I mean, considering she'd had this accident, she was full of life. And I just thought, what a shame. She had uh, had long blonde hair, very attractive, very pretty, a beautiful looking girl. Her mum eventually brought the tea in and just, just chatted about the radio and uh, thanked me very much. I was there, uh, her mum left us alone, and I was there for, what, uh, two hours? Must have been a couple of hours. Uh, there was an armchair in the bedroom. I just sat there. We chatted away for a couple of hours. We seemed to have quite a lot in common. She liked the countryside rather than the beach, exactly as I do. I don't like the beach. I like the woods. We like the same type of music. We discussed that for a while. It, I don't know, it just seemed that we'd known each other for a long time. We got on that well. It was fantastic. And she said uh, about the countryside, look out of the window. So I leapt out of the armchair, went to the window, looked down the garden. There was a gate at the end of the garden, only a shortish garden, and there's the woods. Not a forest, but a load of trees, a wooded, big wooded area. And I said to her, oh, fancy living here. Why go back to France? You don't want to go there. You live in the woods. It's fantastic. I couldn't believe it. I wanted to go and have a look at the woods, but I thought, well, if she can't walk up, you know, what can I do? I didn't want to go on my own and just leave her. Eventually, I said, OK, well, I better make a move. And she said, well, will you come round again? I said, yeah, I'll come round next weekend. This was a, a Sunday. I said, I'll pop round next Sunday if you like. And I was quite pleased. She said, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd love you to come round and have a chat. And uh, I said, and another cup of tea. And she laughed. She said, oh, that's it. She said, what cake do you like? And I said, well, my favourite is fruitcake. My mum, she said, my mum does a mean fruitcake. I'll get her to bake one for you. Absolutely brilliant. I, I don't know, it was strange. I just sort of fitted in so well. The following Sunday, this was summertime, by the way. It was a lovely day, really warm summer's day. And I said to her, shall we sit in the garden? You know, can you manage that? Sit in the garden, it's a lovely day. I didn't want to sit in her bedroom for another two or three hours or whatever. It was a beautiful day. And she said, oh, I should be able to manage that. Yes, and she kind of got off the bed and hobbled along the hallway to the back door. Not hobbled, she walked awkwardly, as, as if she was in pain, which I assumed she was. So we got to the back garden and we walked over to a seat and sat there for a while. We chatted again about the woods and the, the wildlife. I was desperate to go and have a look, but uh, I, again, I didn't want to just walk off and leave her. Eventually, after what, an hour or so, I said, can we just get to the back gate and just go and have a closer look? And she said, oh yeah, yeah, okay. She came to the back gate. I opened the gate, walked through, and she followed me. There was a path into the woods. And I heard the bird singing and I was saying, oh, I love the bird song, it's, it's beautiful. I said, is that a blackbird? She said, oh, no, no, it's not a blackbird. It's whatever it was. I can't remember what it was. She said, no, no, it's not a blackbird. I said, I, I'm hopeless. I love the birds. 
but I can't identify them by their song or even when I look at them, I'm not quite sure what's what. And we were walking. I was aware of this, but she didn't seem to be aware that we were walking further and further into the woods. And she was walking without a a hobble, without a sort of a, a pained expression. She was walking along, albeit slowly, by my side. And I kept her talking about the birds and the wildlife. And after quite some, I don't know how far we went into the woods, a good, what, 50 yards? What's that in metres? I don't know. And she stopped and she said, oh, hang on, I've I've got to walk back. I don't want to go too far. I haven't come into the woods uh, since the accident. So I said, oh, not a problem. We, we turned around, started to walk back slowly. And she said, oh, my, my back's hurting. And I changed the subject again. I said, now, what's that bird? I can hear that bird. What's that one? And she said, there it is in the tree. She pointed up and I forget what it was again. And I said, oh, yes, I can see it. I said, oh, it's lovely to live here. If I lived here, I'd be out in the woods every day. And she said, I was until I was eight years old when we left here for France. I was in the woods every day. She was rabbiting away about it. Even in the winter, she said it was full of snow and ice. But there's still things going on. Wildlife are doing things even in the winter. We got back to the garden and sat down on the garden seat. And her mum came out, offering us more tea, of course, as mums do. And uh, her mum sort of winked at me and smiled. Wasn't quite sure what that meant. She beckoned me into the house. So I said, hang on, uh, Natalie, I'll, I'll just go and help your mum with the tea. And I went into the house and her mum said, that's amazing what you've just done. And I said, what? She said, we're walking into the woods with Natalie. She hasn't been into the woods since the accident. And I, I said, yeah, I know. She was telling me. She said, how did you get her to do it? And I said, well, I, I don't know. We just walked and talked about the birds and the wildlife. Her mum laughed. She said, what, the birds and the bees? I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> just the birds. She was a great lady, her mum. I really liked her. While she was making the tea, she said, you know, we've been to the hospital a hundred times. Doctors can't find anything wrong with her back. There's nothing physically wrong with her at all. And they reckon it's psychosomatic, all in the mind. So I said, well, the pain looks real. And she said, well, yes, it is. It is real, but it's brought on by her way of thinking. It's in her mind and it makes the pain real. And she said, what you've just done is amazing. Walking her into the woods. She said, I watched you both. She said, I wondered how far you were going to go. Then you came back. She said, it's just so fantastic to see that. At last, Natalie is back in the woods. She was really over the moon. And she said, I hope you keep coming to visit her. And I hope you keep keep encouraging her to walk. I said, I will, I will. I think she realised that uh, we had a lot in common. And she said, uh, I've got a surprise for you. And it was this fruitcake. I said, oh, you spoil me. Look at that. She said, well, you deserve spoiling after what you've just done for my daughter. She really was over the moon, as I said. The fruitcake, oh, we put it all on a tray, or she did. And uh, I carried the tray out to the garden. As we walked through the hall, she said, I'm so pleased that you and Natalie are friends. And I said, yes, I am. And she said, you know, she's never had a boyfriend. And as we stepped out of the back door, I said, I don't think I'm her boyfriend. And she stopped and looked at me and she said, I think Natalie thinks you're her boyfriend. I went to see Natalie and her mum the, the following Sunday. And Natalie said, can you come round in the week as well? I'd like to see you during the week. Once a week is, uh, I can't wait. I can't wait that long to see you. And I'd already been thinking the same thing. And I told her that. I said, yeah, I've been thinking, what am I doing at home or sitting in the pub with the lads 
when I could be with you. So I did. I started going around during the week as well as on a Sunday. Her dad, I think I've said, haven't I? He was working in France. He wasn't, he wasn't in the UK at the time. And we started walking further and further into the woods. And she was thinking less and less about her back and her pain, talking about wildlife. She told me about foxes. She's in a badger in, the, in her back garden. And it was one evening, a beautiful summer evening, we came to this clearing and there was a log. So we sat on the log and had a bit of a, a kiss and a cuddle. Now, she'd never had a boyfriend before and she was obviously very happy. And I was. I was. We, we just, I don't know, just got on like a house on fire. That's a funny expression, isn't it? A house on fire. <laughs> I don't know where that's come from. And we eventually sat on the, on the soft grass in the clearing and we had quite a lot more than a kiss and a cuddle, let me put it that way. I won't go into that, but uh, quite a lot more than just a kiss and a cuddle. When we got to back to the house, I think her mum knew that something had happened because she was beaming. She was beaming all over her face. She was just so pleased. And I was pleased because Natalie had, I don't know, she was cured. And her mum put that down to, to my doing. It wasn't my doing at all. It was Natalie's doing. Yes, I encouraged her to go for a walk, but it was her doing. And she was fine. She was walking around. She was even making the cup of tea and cutting bits of fruitcake for me. So you know, she, she was, well, basically a normal 18-year-old girl. And in fact, the following time I went round there, the following evening, I, I was then going twice a week in the evenings and once on a Sunday, the following evening I went there, we walked up to the local pub and she'd never been in the pub, which she'd never basically left the house for two years. We went up to the local pub. It was only, I don't know, a couple of hundred yards up the road. Lovely little pub. And I forget what she had. I think it was a glass of wine, glass of white wine. I had whatever beer it was. I could only have one because I was driving. And this was the, what, it was the 70s when they were getting a little bit hot about drinking and driving. So I just had the one beer. But to see her sitting in the pub was incredible. When we got back, I, her mum was in tears. And, and Natalie said, you all right? She said, I just can't believe it. She said, you, you've got a boyfriend. You've been up the pub with your boyfriend. You've been in the woods doing things with your boyfriend. And Natalie went red. She said, what do you mean? Her mum just laughed. She said, You've been doing it in the woods. And she said, I just want you to carry on doing it. Of course, I, I looked at her and I, I sort of laughed. I didn't know quite what to say. And Natalie went redder still. And her mum said, you're doing what all 18-year-old girls do with their boyfriends. And I'm just so pleased. I love it. <laughs> and because we all ended up laughing, it was fantastic. I just felt, I don't know, what's the word? What did I feel? Just brilliant. Obviously, I was pleased that Natalie was, was okay and able to carry on a normal life. The, the sad side of it was that her mum said, we can now go back to France to join you know, her husband, which she'd wanted to do. I don't know what the plan was. I don't think she knew what the plan was all the time. Natalie was unable to walk properly. But of course, now they were free to go back to France. And I had about, what, six months, I think, with Natalie in total, they kept the house in England, but they, they moved back. What they did was, um, I think it was her son, he, they rented the house out while they were in France and her son kind of looked after the, the, the tenants or whatever. And, of course, in those days, there was, there was no computer, no mobile phone, no internet. So 
It was expensive to use the ordinary landline phone, phoning other countries. And sadly, Natalie and I drifted apart. We wrote to each other. I was, she kept saying, oh, come over to France, come and stay with us. I never did. Everything was so expensive then. These days you just go through the channel tunnel or hop on a ferry. It's different. But back then, I don't know, it was all, it was just very, very different. And we drifted apart. The letters sort of became few and far between and in the end stopped altogether. I did go up to the house up in the woods uh, on the odd occasion for the next sort of two or three years, just wondering whether they'd moved back. But they hadn't. And of course, that was it. We, we lost touch, which was a great shame. I should have gone over to France. I've often thought that. Is there one person, when you look back to your younger years, when you were perhaps going out with boyfriends, girlfriends, is there one person you look back and you think, I should have stayed with that one? Yeah, there's just one out of all the people. I'm not saying you went out with loads of people, <laughs> but out of the people that you went out with, your boyfriends, girlfriends, is there just one that you think, if I had my time again, I'd go back and I'd stick with that one? I don't know. There's a question for you. That's interesting. Raise rants at protonmail.com. Yes, let me know. Be interesting to hear from you about that one. I did many years ago. I knew of a girl who married this chap, been married, I don't know, a couple of years or something. I think they had a baby. Yes, they did. And they split up. They weren't happy. And she went out with his brother. They got together. They got married and had a child. <laughs> they split up. And she went back to the first, the other brother, the first one. And then they stayed together forever. It was weird. I don't know, first time round, they didn't sort of get on. Then she didn't get on married to the brother. So she went back to the first one, married him. And they were fine after that. And uh, it was, I don't know, it was a weird situation. I, I remember that. I'm going back, goodness me, 30 years, something like that. Wonder whether anything like that's happened to you. That's strange. I wonder, I don't know, I wonder how the brothers got on. They both married the same girl, both had a child by the same girl. That's strange, isn't it? But going back to the cottage in the woods, Natalie's cottage, it was all original. I reckon it was about 150 years old and it was original. The fireplaces were original, hadn't been ripped out. Because back in the, what, the 60s, the 70s, everyone was ripping stuff out, older houses, fireplace we don't want a fireplace rip it out get the crowbar lever it off the wall take it up the tip what a shame and then of course later on people were saying oh we want to put the fireplace back it's a real feature well let's put a fireplace back because they'd all gone by then or the ones that had gone to antique shops places like that they were hugely expensive they must have done well all these fireplaces being ripped out they're getting them basically for nothing then years or decades later, they can charge a fortune for them because everyone wants them back. But that happened a lot, didn't it? Everything was ripped out. And then years or decades later, all put back again. Everything, whatever goes round, comes round, doesn't it? It's like trolley buses. You know, the electric trolley buses in and around London back in the, what, 40s, 50s? Don't know when they started. They were clean, electric, clean, quiet, lovely, no fumes. Right, get rid of that lot. Let's have diesel buses instead and stink the whole of London out with diesel fumes. Because now what are they saying? Oh, we need electric buses. Well, we had that. <laughs> I've said this before. I know that's what these notes are. I've got here at my notes. 
Here we are. Remember back in uh, last Wednesday, I said, what's all this written down? I haven't got a clue what it means. Well, I know now. Now the same with shortwave radio. Shortwave radio back in the early days, up until what, the 60s, 70s, possibly end of the 70s, there were shortwave radio stations everywhere. Well, no, more than that, 80s, 90s. Shortwave radio stations, you could tune around, listen to countries all around the world. Because what happened? Internet came along. So everyone, including the BBC World Service, closed down the very, very expensive to run shortwave transmitters all around the world. Then internet goes down. Oh, we can't get any news. We can't get news from the BBC in London. We can't get news from Voice of America, Australia or wherever. You can't get news because the internet's gone down. And with recent events, you know, what's been happening, all these dreadful things been happening. I've been reading a lot about shortwave is making a comeback. Apparently the BBC World Service are now transmitting on a couple of shortwave frequencies that they closed down. So they're now transmitting news uh, around the world or to certain places in the world. I don't want to go into all the, the troubles because we're not here for that. There's enough depressing stuff on the, on the news, on the radio, the telly. We don't want to go into all that. But all I'm saying is that shortwave radio is now making a comeback, which is great for someone like me because I've got, <laughs> I've got loads of shortwave receivers and there's quite a lot to listen to, but nothing like there used to be. So perhaps it'll all come back. What goes round comes round. I wasn't going to tell you this, but talking of what goes round comes round. When I record these podcast episodes, which I've been doing, I think there's over 150 now, at least 140, if not more. I often think someone like Natalie that I'm talking about, will she listen? Imagine she's listening to podcasts, hears this one and thinks, that's me, that's Ray, he's talking about me. I've often wondered that. And there was, as I said, I wasn't going to mention this, but uh, I, I can, I think it's all right with this particular person because I'm not going to mention her name. In one of the podcast episodes, I talked about a girl and recently I had an email from this very girl and she said, I heard the podcast episode about me. <laughs> And I mean, she was fine. I, I very often change names and things. Uh, in this case, I didn't. I used her name. Uh, Natalie is Natalie's real name as well. I didn't change that. I mean, she's gone off to France somewhere. But this girl contacted me and we you know, ex exchanged emails and things. And we even had a chat on the telephone, actually. And it was quite fascinating because when I first got the email, she said, oh, hello, Ray. This is her, said her name. She said, love the podcast. It brought back memories of our time together back in the 70s or whenever it was. And I'm thinking, what's this? You know, I, it took me a minute or two to think, you know, to realise what was going on. And then I realised, I thought, oh, yes, it's her. Good grief. So I emailed back straight away and I said, I hope I didn't say anything derogatory. And you know, she was fine. And we ended up chatting on the phone. Quite amazing. It, it's a small world, isn't it? Someone just looking around podcasts and having a look around various things on the internet, come across something that catches your eye, like this one about the early days, the pubs, the clubs, 60s, 50s, 70s, 80s, and then having a listen to one of them and thinking, oh, that's me, he's talking about me. <laughs> she said it was quite a surprise She, when she first heard it. She's thinking, it can't be me. It is. That's right. 
It is me. <laughs> Quite amazing. I think in the old days it, it was far better. Well, I'm always saying this, aren't I? It's far better in many ways. You'd go out with a girl, it would normally someone locally or a boy in your hometown, and you'd go out for a few weeks or months and then split up, and you both going out with other people. But you'd bump into each other in a, a club or a pub, because if you're both in the one town, you're going to bump into each other, aren't you? At some stage, it's a kind of law of averages. And that happened to me on more than one occasion in the old days. And you know, sometimes it was quite embarrassing. You think, oh my goodness, it's so-and-so. Try and hide your face. But oh, too late, she's seen me. And other times it was sad. I'd see someone that I'd known, I'd been out with, and there was someone else. And I'd look over and think, oh, you know, we were we were good together. Now she's with him. So it was uh, in some ways sad. But of course, if you live in a, a village, a small village, then I've got a story about actually about a village then there's even more chance, isn't there, that a really close-knit community, everyone knows everyone. <laughs> you, you go out with, the, I don't know, the milkman's daughter, and a few weeks later you're going out with the baker's daughter. Well, everyone knows each other. It, uh, I suppose that could be quite embarrassing. This other, shall I save this other little snippet I've got from a village uh, I wonder, or, or should I tell you now? I'll make a cup of tea and have a think about it. Well, now I've said that, I'll have to tell you. I've got my cup of tea, I'll have to tell you, won't I? Otherwise you'll all be emailing me saying, well, come on, what's going on? I went out with this girl. She lived in a village, not, not a village where I lived, a village not too far from me, and she was an only child. Her mum and dad, I think her dad was in, well, he was, he was in the Royal Navy. Her mother worked for some government thing, I don't know what, it was all sort of secret and they were all very hush-hush. Whenever I went round there, I mean, the dad was very often at sea, but I did meet him on one occasion and he wouldn't chat. You know, when I said, oh, yeah, what's it like being in the Navy? Have you seen the world? Sort of, he would change the subject. And her mum, she wouldn't say anything about her job at all. She went off to London, uh, again, days before computers and phones and all that. So she used to go off to London on the train. And sometimes she'd be away for several days. And I, I said to their, their daughter, the girl I was going out with, I said, what are they doing? She would change the subject. It was as if they'd all signed the Official Secrets Act. And one day I was walking to the village, because it wasn't far from where I lived, it was a couple of miles. And I enjoyed walking in the summer. And this woman called me over. She said, excuse me. She was standing by a car, sort of, what, middle-aged, late 40s, early 50s, I suppose. Um, short hair, not a very nice looking. I, you know, when you meet someone, you don't like them instantly. You don't know why, but instant dislike. And I looked over and she said again, uh, can I have a word? Excuse me. And she's beckoning me with her finger. And I thought, well, that's rude. Anyway, I walked over and I said, yes, can I help you? She said, you're, you're seeing that uh, girl, aren't you? That uh, Caroline. And I said, yes, I, I am. And she said, what do you know about the family? And I thought this was rather odd. And I, I just said, well, what do you mean? She was very snappy, this woman. I didn't like her at all. I just said, what do you mean? She said, well, do you know where the, the mother works or what she does or where the father works? And I, I said, sorry, no, I've, I've only been going out with Caroline for a couple of weeks. It, it had been a lot longer than that. I said, I've no idea. I said, why? Who are you? She said, I, I just, uh, I just, just a friend of the family. 
And I thought, well, it's not a friend of the family, is it? And I did laugh, actually. I said, well, if you're a friend of the family, you'll know what they will do. And she said, oh, I, I haven't seen them for years. Came out with some weird story. I haven't seen them for years. And I'm sort of building up, ready to go and knock on the door and say, hi, it's me, I'm back again. She said, I'm just wondering what they're all getting up to these days. So I just said, well, sorry, I can't help. I've no idea. I've only known Caroline for a couple of weeks. And uh, I just lied. I said, I haven't even met her dad. <laughs> and I said, I've only met her mum on a couple of occasions just to say hello. I mean, obviously, I, I knew them better than that. I, I, I wonder whether I should mention it. So I did. I mentioned it to the girl, Caroline. And she said, oh, no, what did she look like? And I, I told her. And her mum was there at the time. And she went off spoke to her mum, she was gone for ages, spoke to her mum and I could hear, I could hear the voices but not what they were saying. Then Caroline came back and she said, oh just forget about that woman, mum knows who it is, it's just uh, as you say friend of the family and mum doesn't want to know her. Well that wasn't true, that wasn't true at all and there was another occasion, this woman in the car, she followed me. I was walking back to my place, as I say a couple of miles, quite a walk and she was in her car and she was following me. And I thought, well, I'm not going to let her know where I live. She probably knew anyway. Um, I slipped down an alleyway. There was a, an alleyway that led through a, a recreation ground. So I slipped down there and I lost her. And I was sure on another couple of occasions, I, I felt there was someone looking at me or following me. I don't know what that was all about. Caroline, funnily enough, she, within a, within a couple of weeks, she just said, Oh I, oh, I don't want to go out anymore. She cut it off. She broke us up. I, I don't know what it was all about. Shortly after that, they moved. Because I went round to see her a few weeks later to say, you know, can we see each other again? So I really liked her. They'd gone. The house was empty. A for sale sign. That's it. They'd gone. And I've often wondered what that was all about. Was it about spies and things? Um, I don't know. Just talking about shortwave radio and they just reminded me of spies and things like that. But this woman, this evil woman, she just, I don't know, I just took an instant dislike to her. I wouldn't want to meet her in a dark alley at night, put it that way. Do you remember my podcast episode or episodes about village life and uh, the facade uh, and all this? When I was on the parish council, all the things that were going on in the village, adultery and <laughs> goodness knows what going on. I have got one or two more or probably four or five more tales to tell about village life, the the things that went on. I don't know, it's it's funny looking back. Well, I, I just hope that some of the people I've talked about, um, Mrs Fortescue, for example, good grief, I wonder whether she's still around. <laughs> she was uh, quite a character. Just been checking some emails. Thanks for all the emails you sent, nothing to actually mention on it on the podcast but uh, nice to receive all your messages asking whether I'm over Covid and think yes I am. Uh, the dentist thing seems to have <laughs> oh just had a phone call I forgot to tell you from the dentist you know I had this mouth guard thing because I grind my teeth did I tell you that 300 pounds just had a phone call from the dentist have you got your credit card I thought here we go here we go uh, I said uh, yes why oh we're going to refund you it wasn't 300, it was 160. We're going to refund you 140 quid. I thought, oh, that's a result. I thought that was a lot, but my niece, she's got one. Hers was 300. And we, Trish and I, we looked up on the National Health, 290 something or whatever it was, 285, can't remember. 
So now mine was, you know, when it was 300, I thought, oh, well, fair enough, it's in keeping. But uh, apparently, no. So I've just been given £140 back. So that's the result. But uh, what was it? now I forget what I was going to say. Go, oh, yeah, going through the emails, I was reminded of a time I was, you know, I've been talking about you bump into people later on um, that you used to go out with and it can be sad or embarrassing or even happy. You look at them and think, goodness me, thank goodness I ended that one. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, there was this girl. I'd, I'd gone to a pub with a girlfriend, OK, and I just looking around the pub and I could see this girl I used to go out with. Now, she was... She, I don't know, how can I describe her without being rude? Case is listening. <laughs> well, no, she won't know who she, well, she will. It, even with no name, she'll know who she is. So if you're listening, you know, serves you right. She was a lovely girl. She was very forward, very bubbly, very vivacious and very loving and sensuous. Everything, brilliant. And we got on really well. Except she, I don't know, she, she had a roving eye, put it that way. And we split up. I looked at her, I saw her at the other side of the pub and I thought, oh goodness, it's her. So we got our drinks and I went and sat at a table out of the way. She'd seen me. She walked across to the bar near our table and she didn't immediately come over. She looked at me and sort of beckoned me when my girlfriend wasn't looking. She's like nodding her head, like, come here. So I thought, this is uh, this is going to be dodgy. Anyway, I went over. I said to my girlfriend, I said, I'm... Just going to, I don't know, get some matches or cigarettes or whatever I said. Went over to the bar, stood next to her and I said, oh, hello. And she said, oh, is that your girlfriend? I said, yeah, yes, yeah. Why? She said, well, she doesn't look much. She was like that, very outspoken. And she said, I want to go out with you again. I said, well, you can't. I'm sorry, I'm going out with her. Oh, in that case, I'll go and tell her all about us. And I thought, yeah, this is typical. This was typical of her, little troublemaker. So I said, it's, it's no good. I'm not going out with you again. She was with someone in the pub anyway. She was with a chap. And she said, I'll meet you tomorrow or wherever it was. I forget where it was. And we'll go out for the evening. And she said, uh, otherwise, I'm going to go and tell that girl a load of things about you. I said, well, you're talking about lies. She said, well, I just make up some stuff to get her away from you so I can have you back again. And I, I couldn't believe it. I just said, OK, yeah, fine. I said, all right, I'll meet you tomorrow went and sat back down and I, I thought the best thing to do would be just not meet her tomorrow where she'd said just don't go into that pub again so I didn't I didn't meet her and I carried on going out with this girl and you know she hung around outside my house she knew where I lived this is where I lived home with my parents and I saw her hanging around so I was about to go out for the evening and I, I was in my car and she got in the car and I said, look, I don't want to go out with you. And I'm really going out with someone. She said, you didn't turn up. And I said, no, because I don't want to go out with you. I couldn't get rid of her. It took me a couple of weeks to get rid of her. I went out with her a few times. I thought, what I'll do is go out with her and then get her to, to leave me. Because I'd left her. And that, that's what had riled her. My proper girlfriend that I've been going out with for a while, we sort of drifted apart anyway. And so I started going out with this uh, little Miss Horrible little Miss Muffet, I started going out with her. And I was just, to get rid of her, I just became the nastiest person I could. I was just awful. I turned up late. Um, I wore scruffy clothes. I just basically changed my character. Every time I was arranged to meet her, or she'd arranged to meet me, 
I was just a dreadful person. <laughs> I just was as awful as I could be, which funnily enough isn't difficult. If you try, it's not at all difficult to be awful. <laughs> I just wore dirty clothes. I looked scruffy. I didn't bother with my hair. I didn't shave. And in the end, she just said, that's it. I'm not going out with you anymore. We split up. And she never did come back again. I used to see her around town sometimes, but uh, that was a strange episode. What is it? A woman scorned. Well, I forget the saying. Uh, yeah, a woman scorned or something. So be very careful. And, you know, a chap scorned it can be very dangerous. So you have to be very, very careful. I remember another... No, I won't go into any more relationships. Good grief. I've just remembered, I didn't look it up, I've just remembered, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. It's just come to mind. I was about to look it up when I remembered, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Or a chap come to that. <laughs> it's frightening, isn't it? It's scary. <laughs> the moral of that story is keep away from the scorned people. I was dropping off, nothing to do with scorned people, dropping off something to a friend the other day and he was out. So a neighbour came out and she said, oh, they've gone out. And I said, it's all right, I'm only dropping something off. And she took it in for them. And I got chatting to her. What I said was, it's a lovely area, this. She said, oh, yeah, I've been here. I've lived here since I was born and born in the house. And uh, she was, what, in her 80s? And I said, good grief, you know, you must have seen some changes. And she was telling me that there used to be a phone box. I mean, it's all the old stuff again. Used to be a phone box down the road. The policeman used to go past on his bike. And it, it just occurred to me that she might like the podcasts. So I said, you know, have you got a computer? Oh, yeah, I've got a computer. Well, a, a, what is it? iPad. Oh, I've got an iPad. She said, yes, I'm online. She was quite proud of it. I'm online. <laughs> so I told her, I jotted down the, the, you know, the info. And a couple of days, when was this? I don't know, I can't remember. A couple of days later, she contacted me because I gave her my email address. I've been listening to your podcast and I love them. It takes me back. So that's great. So thank you for that, Dorothy. <laughs> I did say that I'd uh, mention you. So thanks uh, to Dorothy from uh, Worthing in West Sussex. It's nice, that, it's nice to know that you like the podcast. But Dorothy was saying that she'd see the... The, the, the copper go past on his bike and the, the horse would uh, bring the milk float along, you know, the horse. And uh, the coal would come by horse and cart. I wouldn't want to go back that far. When I say I'd love to go back to the 50s, the 60s, I don't want to go back before then because there were horses and carts and things like that. That's going back a little bit too far. I think, because we were discussing this, weren't we, Dorothy? The best times were 50s, 60s. Uh, the 40s, of course, was the war. Um, before, well, I don't know. 50s and 60s. It, it's funny, even people that remember it, young, young people that remember it, and old people that remember it, all say the 50s and the 60s were the best. It doesn't matter how, I mean, as long as you're not too young, obviously you wouldn't remember it. <laughs> no good asking someone at 20. Did you like the 60s? Because they haven't got a clue. They weren't there. They didn't exist. Who was it recently? Someone someone said, um, oh, it was it was a friend. That's right, a friend's son. It was his fifth birthday. And he. they said, oh, you know, five years old. And he said, where was I before I was five? And they said, well, you, you were four. He said, OK, where was I before I was naught? Before I was nothing or whatever he said. Before I was here. <laughs> 
Where were you before you were born? There's a question. Talking of 50s and 60s, I remember an old boy I knew. He would have gone now. I'm going back. Oh, I'm going back to the 50s and 60s. Uh, an old chap I knew, uh, he had his house. He hadn't changed anything in his house since, I think it was the 30s. Everything in his house was 1930s. It was pre-war. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm, he said 30s. Everything was pre-war. And this was the 60s. So if you go 30, 40, 50, 60, it's only 30 years. But he hadn't changed anything. In the kitchen, he had all 1930s saucepans and cutlery, everything. He'd never update it. And he said to me, why? Why update stuff? I like what I've got. This is what I had in the 30s. This is what I've got now. It, pictures on the wall, the wallpaper, the green paint. Uh, do you remember they used to use gloss? Was it gloss paint? Green and brown. So you walk into the hall, into, through the front door into the hall, and it's all dull and dark and dingy because you've got this green paint and also the cream that creamy color paint was a little bit brighter but everywhere was so dark and gloomy you know, with a 40 watt bulb hanging from the ceiling with a, a sort of cloth shade that barely let any light through I remember his house he was proud of it and now a lot of our house is 1940s we got a lot of 1940s stuff it went all over the house and I love it. So does Trish. It's just, I don't know what it is. It's just something we like. I don't like the modern minuscule, isn't it? The minuscule stuff where you've got a, a three-piece suite, a coffee table and a television and that's it. There's nothing else in the room. No pictures on the walls. No no homely stuff. You know, our home is full of stuff. <laughs> I think I've told you this before. Full of stuff. And of course, it gets dusty. You can't dust every day. It would take a whole day just to dust the dining room because you've got to move all the stuff everywhere. And we just love it. And a lot of it is old stuff. We've got a bedpan. Remember the old bedpans? We've got one hanging on the wall in the dining room. In the hall, we've got an old grandmother clock, candlestick telephone. Do you remember the candlestick telephone with a wooden bell box on the wall? Uh, a 1940s barometer. On the, we've got a couple. We've got several barometers. I started collecting them at one stage, thirties, uh, forties, fifties. Not so much fifties, but barometers. All this stuff is old. It's well built. We, our dining room table was Trisha's original. What was it? A, a great grandmother's dining room table, and we still got it. It's a, a gate leg thing, you know. It's very old. It's very heavy, but it's solid, and it's been going for decades, and it'll go for decades more. You know, we don't like this chipboard stuff tubular when was the tubular stuff that was, was that the that was 60s wasn't it late 50s 60s everything was metal tube then the glass glass top table you don't want a glass top table well I don't you perhaps you've got one perhaps you're saying I like my glass top table I don't want to see people's legs when I'm sitting at the table having my meal <laughs> I don't know we're all different aren't we it's a good job we're all different Showing my old age again, I said minuscule. That small, tiny minuscule. I meant minimalistic. That's the word, minimalistic, isn't it? Where you've got nothing, meaning nothing in your house at all. Not even a carpet. No cushions on the sofa. I've seen this. Some youngsters' houses. No cushions on the sofa. Not Perhaps not even a, a, a coffee table. Just nothing. And it's, it, I don't know, it's not like a home. It looks more like a waiting room. 
you know, at the doctor's waiting room. At least they've got a few magazines chucked around. I just don't like that sort of thing. I, I like photographs and your photographs of the kids, the grandchildren, um, bits and pieces all around. It makes a home in my mind. Yes, minimalistic, not whatever I, minuscule. <laughs> Dear, uh, you'll have to forgive me. Put it down to see when we go somewhere. Trish will say, um, oh, two tickets, one adult and one, instead of senior citizen, she says one senile citizen. That's me. <laughs> Dear, happy days. Do you know, it's such beautiful weather. We've just been out for a walk in the countryside. Went to see Trisha's uncle who lives on a farm. Fantastic. There's the sheep there and oh, there's birds everywhere. In our garden, we've got seagulls, pigeons and magpies. We saw kingfisher, blue tits, great tits, uh, pheasants, all sorts of things in the garden. They're absolutely wonderful. There we are. I'd love to live in the country. And we had a, a lovely walk. So I'll put a few steps on my Fitbit watch. OK, on that note, I shall end it here. Email me, raiserants at protonmail.com. And I hope to hear from you soon. Uh, in the meantime, I shall see you next Wednesday for the midweek message. Oh, one last thing before I go. What did you think of the story? Did you like that? Uh, if you'd like more stories, let me know. Just email me. Um, otherwise, I'll just go back to the ordinary chatting about the good old days in the 50s and 60s. Let me know if you want more stories. In the meantime, take care. See you Wednesday and then next Sunday. Bye bye for now.